0: We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 11, Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. If you're kind of aware of the Bible, it's split into two parts. There's the Old Testament, which is the story of God before Jesus came, and then there's the New Testament, which starts with Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it, uh, it includes the story of Jesus and uh, direction for the life of faith after that, Matthew 11, and <laughs> I'm kidding. Use an opening idea, and I think I think most of us will at least you've experienced it or you have observed it. It's the irritating parental situation where you're facing a hard to please toddler. Looks something like this. You ever had have you ever seen a hard to please toddler? Toddler. Here's the scenario that came to my mind. It's lunchtime. Mom's made lunch, puts Precious in her chair to eat, and she brings over Precious uh, uh, hot dogs for lunch. And when the hot dogs get there, Precious responds with, I don't like hot dogs. And so mom must be in a moment of grace that day. And so she says, well, precious, suggy, honey, honey, bunny, angel face, what would you like? And so precious says, I want pizza. And so mom in the midst, I don't know what's going on with mom, but she just is feeling awfully servant hearted today. And so she says, okay, okay, hang in there. So mom makes a pizza. Right, Precious. 20 minutes later, pizza's ready. She brings a piece of pizza over to Precious, because now she's, of course, Precious will be pleased with that. She puts the pizza in it, and Precious responds with, what's that? What's that? And it's, those are onions. I don't like onions. It's, it's okay. It's okay, schnookums. No problem. And then says, mom takes the pizza away and goes and picks out every little onion, right? Okay, well, make sure to avoid the tragic of an onion going down her sweet little face. And with some... Does that, and while she's over there, then she cuts the pizza in perfect squares, brings it back for the presentation to Precious. Oh, To which Precious says, I wanted to cut it myself. <laughs> or whatever, this thing happens. Hey, can you relate? Have you seen it? Have you, have you been through it? Are you presently now facing, we have a prayer team. We can pray for you. In fact, we should probably stop the service right now. Pray for all people who relate way too much to that story. It's an example of a situation, or more specifically, an individual, a person that is what I'm gonna call like impossible to please. No matter what mom does in that scenario, most likely it's not gonna be enough. Another way to look at it is no matter what is happening, right, it will never be good enough for Precious. Let me try to give you an adult example. This is not as good. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got to hang out with my brother uh, in Denver. It, my niece was getting married. And so uh, went out there. And does any of, you, do any of you have like a family member or a friend whose financial situation is better than yours? Yeah, that's my brother for me. Like, he just, it's just, you know, just a little. Bit. So while we're in Colorado, and he's a, uh, a good guy, um, we're out there, and I just had the weekend, and, but we had some time to hang out. And so he wanted to go look at a kind of a classic car that he's interested in, because he has a few classic cars. And here's a picture of the car. It's a Porsche uh, 911 1978 Porsche 911. Here, it should come up on the screen. These are pictures of the car. So we, he wanted to look at this car. And I'm like, did I tell you that his financial situation is a little different than mine? Okay, so anyway, we went and uh, we took some time. We looked at this car because he would really like to get one of these. And uh, I mean, he looked all over this car. It was in incredible shape. It's over 40 years old, but it looked like new. So he's crawling underneath it and doing all this stuff and pulling up the floor, it's all this. So it was looking really good, like, ah, this might be one that, that he would get. And uh, we looked at it. He drove it, and we were ready to leave. And he said, well, let's go look at it one more time. And when we looked at it one more time, uh, the next picture is a picture of his finger pointing out a, uh, uh, a chip. It's a chip in the windshield. And I don't know if you can see it there. And I don't... And you know what happened when we saw, when he saw the chip in the windshield? I don't know if I could drive this. I mean, it really didn't go that far. I'm exaggerating a little bit. But it really did feel like, oh, oh, I don't know now. And it was just one of those examples. Sometimes we can, uh, and he, you know, figured it out. He didn't end up buying the car. Oh, that would have been fun. Maybe he would have let me drive it. But, um. But it's just one of those uh, opportunities or ideas or those two thoughts of precious and, the, and it, it introduces a question and here's the question, it'll come up on the screen. How critical am I regarding life's opportunities? How critical am I regarding life's opportunities? And I would submit to you that the answer to that question has really a great impact on our life experience because sometimes as we are too critical that opportunity will be taken from us (laughs) if precious were my kid (laughs) don't know how long that would go on but precious may never eat pizza again (laughs) or okay maybe you know what i mean how we respond to situations many times Deter- determine whether we get to engage in that situation. If you're too critical of a 40 year old car, you may never get a sports car, or, or uh, and even more important things. Uh, being too critical, that'll affect a relationship a lot. And I think we know that. Critical uh, can affect relationships, it can affect our joy. Uh, it definitely affects our spiritual life. We're too critical. Just a quick side note, I am not saying that all critical thinking is bad. Uh, Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. So that's balanced to this idea of being too critical we should think through processes and things, but we really, 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 really should watch out, because too critical, too critical can mess us up. A couple of uh, biblical examples, in the Old Testament, there's the story of God uh, setting free the Israelites from slavery, and there's a whole generation that God wanted to get to the promised land, promised land, like that's good, but because they were so cranky in the journey and critical. They were critical about the food. They were critical about the process. We have to stay in the desert. Now let's go back to the old place. And they got so cranky. Eventually that entire generation, God did not let them get to the promised land. Basically said, you're going to die in the desert. We're done. I'm going to wait till a new crop of people. Because they were too critical. That's tragic. In the New Testament, there were countless people who, because of one part of Jesus' ministry, would dismiss him in his entirety. So, Jesus would do a healing, which is amazing. Like, raise someone from the dead, or heal some horrible disease. And there are people that would get cranky and upset about it, because he did it on the Sabbath. He did it on a Sunday. And so they would be like, no, he can't be. I'm not following him because he did that on this day. That's too, and they missed out on Jesus, or they missed out on him because he came from Nazareth. They're like, well, nothing good can come from Nazareth. There are these little things that they were, they assessed wrongly because they were too critical. So hold those thoughts. We're in a series called Kingdom Stories. We're looking at parables or teaching stories in the Bible. And today we're going to look at probably the shortest. Teaching story we'll look at in the series. In fact, it's so short it's just kind of a comparison. It's in Matthew 11, and, and I, I feel like because it's not a section of Scripture that I don't that I've ever taught on before, and it may be new to some of us. So I'll try to tell you a little bit while, about what's coming, the context. So, in, when Jesus is teaching this. God has already sent John the Baptist to try to bring momentum uh, to the kingdom of God. And if you don't know anything about John the Baptist, uh, used by God, Jesus said of John the Baptist, there was no one greater born of a woman than John the Baptist. So he's a big deal. God was using John the Baptist. But John's approach to life was kind of separatist. He, He had taken a vow. He didn't dress like everybody else. Uh, he lived out in the desert. He, uh, his diet was weird. It's like he was fasting so much of his life. They would only see him when he would come in to do spiritual things, when he would preach or baptize. So he was very extremely unique, spiritual kind of a outlier. So that's John the Baptist. Then God sent Jesus after John the Baptist not in the midst of that same ministry. And Jesus was really, really normal compared to John the Baptist. Like, he had kind of a normal life for much of his life. He would go to wedding banquets and parties and sit and have dinners and hang out with all different kinds of, of people. And what we're going to see in the text, wait, side note. So God was sending this kind of an example to try to get people to, move toward the kingdom of God, then he sent Jesus, and, there's a, and he's addressing the, kind, the people that were so critical that they weren't receiving anything from John, they weren't receiving anything from Jesus, and he's going after this group of people that are missing God because of their critical mess, which is probably not a word. Here's what he says. 11, 16, Jesus says, to what can I compare this generation? They are like children, here's the little parable. They're like children sitting in the marketplace, calling out to others. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man, that's a reference to Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say, well, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. It's just a few verses, and it's not super familiar, so let's read it again. To what, Jesus says to this group of people, to what can I compare this generation? Hmm. They're like children Sitting in the marketplace places calling out to others we played the pipe for you and you did not dance we sang a dirge which is a sad sad song we sang a dirge and you did not mourn for John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon the son of man came eating and drinking and they say here is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. title of the talk is Spiritual Losers, <laughs> Parable of the parable of the children in the marketplace. And the mission is I'd like to learn from this and give us some ideas so that we will not be so critical we'll miss God. That's the big, hopefully the big takeaway is I don't want to be a person and I don't want us to be people that, don't, that are not open enough to God's activity. We're just too critical, and we dismiss things. So I think there's some lessons here. Let me pray. Father, most of us, listening, watching, participating in this service, we want to uh, engage with what you're doing. We don't want to miss you. So I pray that you would be our teacher. Show us some really practical things that can help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Two mistakes of these what we could call spiritual losers. The first one is this. Spiritual losers miss God by being emotionally stuck. If you want to write something down, just put stuck or emotionally stuck. Here's where I get this from the text. It's when verse 17, we played the pipe for you. I interpret that as we, we played something happy something like, oh, no, you didn't like my, we played the pipe for you, and you did not dance, and then, so then we sang a dirge, we, you know, played a sad emotional song thing to make you cry, and you wouldn't mourn. And so I interpret those things as we tried to move you to some place emotionally, and you're so stuck where you're are, where you are. You're like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to celebrate that. I'm not going to because I'm just not moving. I was trying to find and think of a uh, an a, a illustration in life. This may not be great, but welcome to the vineyard because I use not great illustrations a lot. I was in, did I tell you I went to Colorado, hung out with my brother, my niece got married. Did I tell you about our financial situation? Yeah, it's different. Um, so they had this wedding, and uh, here's the pictures of the wedding. They had it at a golf course, country club place. Oh, another thing you may want to know, Colorado might be more beautiful than Indiana. I'm telling you. So they were at this country club this place, this golf course, and there were these mountains. Anyway, that doesn't, here's just a couple of pictures of the wedding. And then I didn't have a good picture. This is a picture of the reception, but it's not. It's fake. I grabbed it from Google. And it's just like, it was this really lively. They had it there at the golf course, and they were doing all this, this stuff. And the thing I noticed about it, they had a really good DJ. Who was really, really good at getting people involved in this great day of right, a day of celebration, and so he was working the crowd and all those things. At remember, at one point they were doing what's this, um, "Sweet Caroline," and everybody on the dance, ba ba ba. Have you seen that? I must live in a hole because I've never seen it before. I'm like, what is this? And you know, it never be so good, so good, so good, so good. Right there. There's all kinds of energy and bunch of people on the dance floor. But you know, in that scenario, some of you will not be surprised at this. There were also people, no matter what the DJ did, I ain't dancing. Right? There were people sitting around there, and no matter who came up to them and said, Come on, it's a wedding, it's celebrated. And they... Right? That's There's those... And it's an example of a person who, who no matter what, now by the way, if you don't want to dance at a wedding, maybe that's okay. Maybe. But it's an example of really no matter what's going on, like I'm just staying in the emotional, the headspace that I live in, and I will not be moved which in the kingdom of God is bad. Because God by nature is a God who stretches us, challenges us, says this is something that you should be celebrating, or this is something that should make you sad. This is something that you should engage in, even though you've never engaged before. Now it's time to go to a different place than where you've been living. It's part of what God does, and it's part of what these people are missing. And can I go back? These people miss the kingdom of heaven. There will be be people in hell because they stuck to who they were and what they thought and where they have been and unwilling to be moved by God by something that he sent their way. I mean, that's that's the sad reality of it. So I was thinking some other areas that are more touchy. So this may not work, but okay. I was thinking about some of the social situations happening around us. And, I'm f- and I was thinking, how bad does whatever have to get before I will actually care enough to act? So how many people, let's just pretend, how many, how many uh, black lives will get shot multiple times before I would actually move my position of, I'm not sure I care? For some of us. This is, by the way, this is just my list that I'm, that I'm, or how long will people disrespect the police officers and cut down the, the public servants before I might say, I guess I'm going to try to get involved and honor, or does that make sense? How we can get in our little headspace and like, I just, I don't do anything or I'm not going to move at all. So I was challenged by that. What has to happen before my uncaring heart becomes a caring heart? Because God's the kind of God who pokes us and says, "I need you to get excited about this, or not excited about this," or uh, If you're a follower of Jesus, as I know many of us are, emotional involvement is required. You can write this down, when God engages a person, apathy is not an option. That's true. (laughs) Just a little side note. This book is not supposed to be interpreted as a book filled with options. It's a book filled with commands for followers of Jesus. Now that's a challenge, but it's it's a book filled with commands. Like this is what you're Okay, so in uh Romans 12:9 was pondering this. Says, "Love must be sincere." That's a command. Oh, and that's a stretch. That might be a place Different than we are today, where God would say, No, no, whoa, 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 be, I want your love to be sincere. Oh. And it goes on to say, Hate what is evil. That can be a new emotional space to hate what is evil. Is there anything around us happening that you, that gets enough of your heart that you? You hate it. By the way, there's a a section of people, I think, teaching or believing in Christianity, uh, and we just lean too much into the niceties of Christianity. Oh, we're Christians. We don't hate anybody or we don't hate anything. And I think that we are supposed to love people. That is true. But there is stuff that's happening in the world that is evil, and we should hate it. We should hate it. There are times Jesus got mad right? Because of his passion for right and wrong, or for what was, I got cranked up about two years ago, God got all up in my face about uh, the unborn and abortion. And I've cared about that since I became a Christian and realized that just some different things, and, uh, and uh, I don't know, you know where you're at with some of those things, but he got all up in, in my face and was like, so you say you care, do you really care? Do you know how many... More people died this year, more human beings died this year in January and February through abortion in the United States than than so far uh, reported with COVID. Two months, 3,000, one of the estimation was about 3,000 babies die every day. And God is like, Mark, don't you care? And I'm like, I do care. And you know what I think he said? You need to care more. Now this, and I'm like, okay, I'll work on that. And I'm still trying to work it out on how to, you know, what to do and how to do and, you know, all those things. And by the way, this is, you know, like that's something that God's, this is my list. But here's the challenge for all of us. Do you have a list that God's saying, I need you to care more. I need you to grow up more. I need you you to, every once in a while, I need you to get angry that that happened in that place and intervene somehow some way, can I move you at all from your little emotional cubbyhole where we're all comfortable and stuff? Because that's what God does. Gets us cranked up or gets us really, really sad sometimes about stuff that he is sad about. No idea where I am on my notes right now. No idea. Ah. Ten days ago, God said, I want you to love your wife more. I'm like more. <laughs> he did. He was like just like, I've been, I mean, we've been married 30 years, and he's like, no more. You need to get better at it. I said, no, no, I didn't say that. I I really thought, and I remember going home that day, and I didn't say anything to her. I'm like, okay, Lord. She's really nice. I like really like her, but apparently I need to love her like more. Okay, do more. Philippians one six says, "He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion." The implication of the verse is there's a process that we should be growing in for our entire life. God's doing a work in us. Are we still growing? So here's a fill-in-the-blank. Am I still growing in my emotional engagement? Are you willing to be moved to a new place, a better place, a more challenging place? A more happy place. Like God's called us to celebrate something. He's playing the pipe. You know, like, come on. So, spiritual losers miss God by being emotionally stuck. Second idea is spiritual losers miss God by being verbally dismissive. Now, hang in. This is a pretty just practical, pretty easy point to see, I think. In both cases, in verse 18 and 19, with John and Jesus, with John john came neither eating nor drinking and they they say well he has a demon and you know when they say he has a demon that dismisses that area to i don't have to pay attention to him because he has a demon and then when jesus comes on the earth and he's both eating and drinking and they say well he's a drunk and what it does through this and what what here you can write this down instead of embracing the spiritual opportunity John the Baptist and Jesus were sent by God to do amazing things. And instead of experiencing that and embracing it, they dismiss it through name calling. They just say, because as soon as you call something a negative name, then it dismisses you from, I ain't going to pay any attention to them, or I'm not going to pay any attention to that. And I would submit to you, this is a thing that maybe we all do. Do you ever, you ever, you're in a situation and you dismiss the situation because you, oh wait, let me give you, let me give you a verse. Let me just challenge you a little bit with this verse. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, if you're a a Christian and you've studied the Bible, you know this verse, in all things, everybody say all things, in all things, Christians, we believe this, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, right? In all things, God's doing a work to help us grow in in all things, unless, this is how it works sometimes, God's working in all situations, unless I'm talking to a Baptist, or whatever, you know how we put cat, you know, oh no, is, this is going to be a great ca- Oh, oh, you're a, you live in Elkhart? Or whatever, you know, these little situations that we categorize, situ- people, a lot of times it's people, we categorize people and then we dismiss, like, oh, the Holy Spirit ain't here because you drive a Ford. <laughs> or whatever, these crazy, Things that we come up with. Am I, do you see how this works? Or because you read that version of the Bible? Or you go to, oh, you send your kids to public school? Or the flip side, oh, you're a homeschooler? And what we do is we, we, split, we pie out, you know, we cut out these huge sections because of our critical nature, and I am submitting to you that we miss God because we think that God may, is not there doing all things for the good of those who love Him because we just give it a name and it dismisses us. It, it, it dismisses the situation, <laughs> and I would listen to her except she's wearing mom jeans or whatever. Did you know, the, are those coming back? Somebody said they're coming back. Okay, I'm wrong. I guess not. But do you know how, like, or because they're a Cubs fan, or because they don't do this, or because some spiritual activity, that, does that make sense? And we just dismiss. And I'm, what I'm saying to you, what I'm challenging you and I to do, is could we be a little more mature in our understanding of God, that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And not just be doing the name call thing and dismissing. this. I want to give you bi- one Bible example of that uh, before we close. If you want to m- write down Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And it's the scenario, it's the situation where people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Here's what I think is happening. The disciples are doing the name-called dismissal thing, and they're like, no, God's not in this. They're a bunch of kids. He's like, oh, no, 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 this isn't the Lord because they're kids, they're, right? They're little kids. And it's interesting to me, it's one of the few times that Jesus becomes, the Bible records, he was indignant, like he's mad. Arguably, this is one of those moments that he hates. He's like, I hate this. Why in the world would you dismiss that group of kids? And he actually says, he goes on to say, the kingdom of heaven, this is God. And you think they're just kids. No, no, no. Yeah, they're kids, but God's in this whole thing. Last fill in the blank. We can dismiss entire sections of God's activity through unchecked moments of criticism. So to recap, spiritual losers miss God by being emotionally stuck and verbally dismissive.